Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 447. My name's Adam Patterson. And with me today, we have Kevin Rickstraw. Hey, Kevin. Hi. How's it going? Uh, you know, it's it's all right. How you doing? Yeah, I'm hanging in there. It's okay. Oh, boy. Eh. Oh, boy. Yeah. This, this week, guy. This week on the show, we'll be reviewing Phil Tippett's Mad God, now on Shudder. Also be going over some of the watching on the watch list and covering this week's new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes. Forget a moment. That would be very helpful. Uh, we are recording the news say by the nineties tonight. So expect that to be dropping maybe this week or next so stay tuned for that. I'm sure that I'll make an announcement about it. Uh, we are doing comic strip movies. So yeah. movies movies adapted from comic book strips, or comic strips, rather. Um, that includes Dennis the Menace with uh, Walter Matthau. It, nice. it, it includes The Phantom with Billy Zane. Fucking Billy Zane. Yep, yep. Can you believe Billy Zane was once a superhero? Billy Zane. Billy, What's Billy Zane doing now? Billy F and Z. I just saw him actually in something. I think it was. Zane. You know what it was? I think it was, he was in an episode of The Boys. Pretty sure that's where I saw him. Incredible. Uh, we're also talking about the Adams Family, the first one. We covered the second one, Adams Family Values, on a previous episode. We're going back and covering the first one this month, and Dick Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> Dick Tracy. Let me just tell you something. Dick Tracy holds up. Does it? Oh, man. Are you sure? Oh, it, dude, it was a blast. All right, let's talk about Mad God. I have a synopsis here. A corroded diving bell descends amidst a ruined city, and the assassin emerges from it to explore a labyrinth of bizarre landscapes inhabited by freakish denizens. This is written and directed by Phil Tippett. And this is the... This is the kind of movie where I think that the the backstory of it, the the making of it is almost more interesting than the movie itself because this is a movie 100%. this is a movie that took 30 years to make, which is pretty wild. Like he's he's been shooting this off and on over the course of 30 years. So in between his now if you're not familiar with Phil Tippett, he's a prolific visual effects artist he's did the dinosaurs in jurassic park for god's sake like the guy he did huge movies like he's he's a pioneer in stop motion animation yeah and yeah in between doing you know paying the bills working on movies like robocop and starship troopers and jurassic park and the star wars movies and the titan uh, the twilight saga not sure what he did in, the, in those movies but I thought all that stuff was like CG. But anyway, in between working on big Hollywood movies, he was sort of quietly working on this <clears throat> this uh, small practical effects driven stop motion film. I shouldn't say small because it's actually insanely large. Um, but he employed a huge group of volunteers to sort of bring this world to life. And uh, it's it's pretty impressive from like a technical standpoint. You see this. I mean, you could just look at the trailer and be like, holy crap, this is this looks insane. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of is the the world that this takes place in is uh, it's it's 
pretty wild. But the thing that I had a hard time with with this movie was just the narrative itself. Like, there's not really a plot. There is a loose narrative here, but it's just I couldn't I, I just couldn't get engaged with this movie. I had a really hard time with it. Oh, I'm right there with you, buddy. It's just yeah, this it's it, like you said, it's it's one of those things where the backstory of it, like the actual making of, you know, the 30 years that went into this is far more interesting than the end product. And it's one of those shitty things, too, because, you know, this coming from a titan of stop motion animation for me i wanted to like it so much more and i feel bad because i'm like man this took you 30 years to make and i just feel nothing yeah for this i'm just like that it's almost a waste of time in some sense like it's impressive it's impressive i'll give you that there's there's no doubt about it but at the same time i like there's nothing here for me no same it's weird too like so he shot this in like bits and pieces over the course of 30 years so like he started working on it and then he stopped he was shooting it on 35 millimeter and then he stopped and he i think that he let it go for like 20 years so it's not like he was constantly working on it yeah i think that there was a long break in there uh because i did watch an interview with him where he said that like he was he had like a a his his team of people and they're working on archiving stuff and they happened upon like the scenes that he shot for this and they were they were like his crew was like really into it and they were like you should you should finish this you should like you know start up a, a kickstarter raise some funds and and continue working on this and that's exactly what he did so back in like 2012 I want to say he started a kickstarter and I think at that time, the goal was to make short films, make it a series of short films, which he did. And then this is the final end product. So it combines the short films that he made with additional footage. I think that I read it was a, it's about 30 minutes of additional footage. So I, I think that that is sort of the problem with this is that it's a series of almost disjointed scene scenes that culminate to really nothing and amount to really nothing. And I think that that's the problem that I have with this movie. It's like, like Phil Tippett would just be living his life. And then he would go to like a rummage sale or something. And he would see something that looked kind of cool. And it would give him an idea of something wild to, sh to, to make into like a scene of a movie. And then he would just do that and then fit it, like retrofit it into this story. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's really difficult and tough in the sense of like, I feel bad because of how long it took. You can tell that this, you know, was obviously something of a passion project because you don't spend that much time trying to make a stop motion feature length film. And to read, too, that, you know, he said he had a mental breakdown at one point and had to go to a psych ward. And it took him, you know, like three months to recover. Like, that, like, he put so much into this. Yeah. And I'm just, there's a part of me knowing all that information. And as I'm sitting there and watching it, I'm just like, why did you do this to yourself? Yeah, but at the same time, it'd be one thing if, like, he was the only person working on this. But, 
when you see the credits of this, it's a huge crew of people that he had. Yeah. And I also saw an interview with him where they asked the, 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 the interviewer asked, like, did you do any of the animation yourself? And he was like, no. <laughs> so it's not like he was even really like he, he did. He said he did some of it, but his his crew of volunteers did most of the heavy lifting. So it's Incredible. it's it's not like, you know, it's like uh once you get to a certain level, you yeah. you just it's, yeah. Any yeah, any it's artist. Like Ai Weiwei. Yeah, exactly. It's like Ai Weiwei. Like he's not painting all those fucking things. Right. What was it? Like sunflower seeds or whatever the fuck it was. Like he's not doing it. He's the team of people that he probably doesn't pay that well. They're fucking painting that shit and he gets all the recognition. Right. Which is which is actually, you know, it sucks, but it's just how it works. Like I, I understand that. I'm not criticizing Phil Tippett for his methods or anything like that, just to be clear. But Yeah, I just feel a lot better now not liking it yeah. now that you told me. <laughs> I mean he, he did he did do a lot of the like I imagine the bulk of like the design work and like just putting together the scenes and stuff were probably <laughs> all his from his mind. And it's, you know, it's wild. Like, there's some really crazy scenes in this. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely, like, nightmare fuel. There's, like, really crazy creatures. And it, it sort of combines, like, technology with biology. So it's, like, almost got this, like, Tetsuo the Iron Man kind of vibe to it at times. It feels old to me. Like, I feel, yeah, I feel, I feel like back in the, like, maybe... 90s like early 90s or something we used to have more movies that that had this sort of aesthetic that sort of industrial like i don't know like terry like gilliam-esque yeah there's just there's a lot of plumbing and a lot of wetness yeah steam everything's super dark it's just i i there was a part of me that as i was watching this and i'm thinking okay this is again coming back to the the culmination of 30 years of work you know, uh, however true that might be. But, you know, the painstaking work put into this for stop motion animation. And I'm kind of sitting there, you know, you're kind of realizing this nightmare world and all this stuff going on. And I'm just thinking, looking at the screen, like, okay, so like the main idea is just stop motion piss and shit. <laughs> is that what we're... Yeah. that's kind of like the main focus because there's a ton of piss and shit in this movie yeah there is a lot of bodily functions and pe- people getting smushed and like ground into paste and yeah. it's a pretty gross movie was, yeah. most of the people that get smushed are made from made from yeah shit. made from shit they're like little shit shit drones that they're like little i don't know slaves i guess like what yeah and then they just get mashed up and re yeah like that's a whole that's just like a whole like 20 minute sequence uh, of uh, of these like different ways of them dying yeah these like gross little shit dolls getting killed in different ways which you know begs the question like why like what what is what is the point yeah. of like creating these things and then like devising elaborate ways to kill them like don't you just want them working on whatever you're work working on and i think that that's that's the other problem i had with this is that like you have all these moving parts and all these things that go together where you'll you'll see like one of these things one of these creatures getting made and then you'll see them be put to work and they're like you know doing hammering things or doing something else and then they get killed and like 
their liquefied remains go into something else to do something else. And it's like all this very like clockwork, like kind of system that that's happening in this like subterranean world. But it's like, to what end? Like, I don't understand what any of it's for. Yeah, like, what's the think... purpose of the, of these machines and the, these like assembly lines and stuff. And I, and I think that's the, the thing here that's really confusing because there's a part of me that wants to say that the world building is impressive in the sense that it's built and it and it's pretty intricate right just visually and it exists but on the other hand the world building is absolutely terrible because i have no idea what this, this world is i don't know what's going on there's so many layers to it because that thing descended for ages we only spend time down in the, the, the bottom layers for the majority of this movie. And I just, like, I have no understanding of anything about this world. And I think that that's where it becomes really problematic because it, it, it almost goes out of its way to disengage you from what you're watching. Yeah, yeah. And that's a good point because there is another, like, you know 15 minute stretch of just a baby crying oh yeah that's it it's just a baby crying that's like uh i i think that the baby crying thing is like one of the architects of like part of that world i think that was the the person who i i don't know i i struggle to try like i want to make sense of it yeah like, as far as I can tell, there's, like, a, some kind of war, and the assassin gets sent down to blow up the area. Yeah. But, but you've also know that the, they've been doing this and failing however many times. Well, when he gets... Because there's so many suitcases. Right, right. When he gets to where he's supposed to plant this bomb, he sees that it's just, like, mountains of suitcases from assassins before him. And then, like, he gets caught. The thing that comes... Yeah, he gets sick. <laughs> he gets caught by this creature and then like dissected while he's still alive like but he does it, it's like for an audience but like the stuff that they pull out of him is like books and stuff and i think that's a that's a thing for me that work in that regard is that i have i find myself in the midst of watching it and then after watching it i have no interest in trying to figure out anything and trying to decode anything i was just like okay i'm moving on with my life yeah that's that's that that's how i felt too like with some movies that are a little <laughs> obtuse or, or clearly have subtext to them and you don't like pick up on it right away you know sometimes you'll you'll stew with it for a while you'll you'll try to figure out what the meaning was behind specific scenes or lines or whatever and with this movie I, I just don't even think that it was there. I just think that it was a series of like horrifying uh, encounters and what you see is what you get. I think. Yeah. I think Phil Tippett might know. Yeah. I think Phil, but Phil knows. Phil knows what's up. That maybe doesn't. Maybe that's why he was in the psych ward. Yeah. I mean, he might've just wanted to, he might've just wanted to animate some really cool looking gross stuff. and throw it all together yeah just a bunch of piss and shit <laughs> just piss yeah piss and shit monsters that motion creatures with giant human teeth and he mixes in some live action too there's like some live action scenes yeah yeah 
Hey, Phil, what are we animating today? Piss and shit, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) They just look at him. He leaves the room because he's done. He's going to drink. Piss and shit, He leaves the room. and (laughs) These guys just, they're like, fucking piss and shit again? It's like the seventh fucking day. Are you kidding me? Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's Mad God. Unfortunately, I just, I really wasn't into it. I can't recommend it. Oh. Not, no, no, thank you. Yeah, the st- I mean, the, the animation's good, but I mean, that, that's really all we're working with here. What are you going to give it out of 10? Man, I, I don't know. <laughs> Again, this is another tough one where you're like, because you know the, the work that goes into making something like this. But at the same time, like it's impressive, but it's not impressive. But it's also impressive because it's not impressive with how impressive it is inherently. Uh, so I'm like a, a two, maybe a two. That seems too high, but also too low. It's a, yeah, it's a movie that I just don't really want to revisit again ever. Uh, and the other thing is, it, this movie took me like a day and a half to, to get through. I, I stopped it due to, due to work reasons, had nothing to do with the movie, but then like, it took me a long time to like, force myself to get back to it after. After I uh, yeah, took a break. I could see that. And, and, I could definitely see this being a movie that if you stop it, you're probably not coming yeah, back to it. Yeah, it, it feels really long too. It's like an hour and twenty three minutes, which is actually pretty long for an animated movie. Like most animated movies are not quite that long. It's, it's rough. I'm probably sitting at like a man. I don't know. I'm probably sitting at like a two, two and a half as well on this one. I just can't. I just couldn't get into it. Like, it's got some cool stuff, I guess. But even 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 that was like really rough for me. To get through. Yeah, I'm just now remembering the extended sequences of two monkeys just screaming at each other and hitting each other with shovels. Yeah, it's just taking a break from shoveling. What shit? Piss and shit. There we go. Piss and shit, guys. We're animating two monkeys today. What are the monkeys doing, Tippet? <laughs> They're shoveling shit and piss. Like, fucking hell, Phil. God damn it. It should be noted that he's still, like, getting... I mean, he's he worked on, like, the newer... He worked on um that the Boba Fett show on Disney+. Plus. Like, he's still got a tremendously great career. And he... Like I don't want I don't want my thoughts on this movie to be any kind of uh, reflection on my opinions of of Phil Tippett because I think that he's like but yeah no it's just it's just kind of fun to think about in terms of like to me I'm thinking like all the the big stuff that he's doing he's uh, he's always going you know to like George Lucas or Disney or whoever and he's like how about a scene <sighs> there's piss and shit right <laughs> and they're just like Phil no. We're not doing this, Phil. He's always trying to sneak then, in a creature that's pissing or shitting or dealing with it in one of the Disney movies in Star Wars. And then he's at home doing his, you know, Mad God thing. And that's him playing the role of Mad God. And he's like, this is my vision. There's going to be so much fucking piss and shit. Everything pissing, shitting, nothing but piss and shit. Just No piles. one can stop me. No one can say no. <laughs> <laughs> he's at the psych ward they're like what's up with this guy he just says piss and shit that's all he does oh my god that's so funny all right uh 
moving on, let's talk about some of what we've been watching. I, I think it might be your turn this week. We'll start it with you. Okay. I did another M. Night Shyamalan because, uh, you know, I wanted some, uh, some comfort. And it, there, I've always wanted to see the happening. It was much like Signs, where, like, I didn't catch it when it came out in 2008. And I was like, man, I kind of want to see that. And uh, this has a pretty great opening. I got to say, I thought the, the opening was just fantastic. It's atmospheric. And it culminates with some really disturbing imagery. Like the people walking off of the, the top of the skyscraper to their deaths. Like it just, I mean, to me, it seemed far more nightmarish than most M. Night Shyamalan movies are. Like it just felt like just more disturbing, really. Um, but then it's immediately ruined by, and I just feel like this movie will work far better if those two were not involved in any way. Because their their deliveries and their facial expressions turn this more into like an unintentional comedy than anything else. Uh, you have Wahlberg doing his classic line readings, which is mostly just him out of breath and kind of doing these like uh, case in point. The early the, he plays a teacher too, which great. Let's do a teacher thing with Mark Wahlberg, and he's. He's like, hey, guys, you read about this article? And he goes, the whole thing. Like, that's just funny as shit. Just everything that he does, really, is funny as hell. And then Zoe Deschanel, her facial expressions in this look like that of a person that has just gained sentience in the midst of the scene. Like, that body was just thrust into life as we know it in that exact moment in time. There just happened to be a camera there. And that body happened to be in an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Because I don't know what the hell she's doing. This is just a bad movie. It's so bad. The only other thing I will say about this that I think is very odd to me is that, like, the hook twist to this movie, you know, that you usually see in a Shyamalan film, the the way that it's... The explanation for what's happening is just kind of dropped by, like, a random character. Where he's like, yeah, it's it's this. You know, it's the plants. And then he goes on this, like, you know, gives all these detailed explanations of, like, plant defense, defense mechanisms. And then just a little bit later, Wahlberg's like, hey, maybe it is the plants. And then that's it. But, the like, the whole logistics of the movie where he's kind of coming down to the, like, oh, it's about group size. That shit doesn't make any sense in the slightest. Yeah, I didn't. I never saw this, when, but I did. I did. Yeah, I did know the twist. It's just because he's like, oh, he, there's too many of us. If we stay in a small group, it won't affect us. But the number that's in his group where it doesn't affect them is the same number of people that are in the John uh, Leguizamo group, and they die. So it makes no fucking sense. Well, yeah, I, I heard nothing but bad things about this, so I never, I never sought it, sought hey, it out. You kind of want to watch it though. I've I've seen it's bits and Wahlberg. I've seen bits and pieces of it. Wahlberg, Wahlberg is something else. Just his his acting is bad. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he's gotten better over the years. I saw Spiderhead. This is uh, new on Netflix. It came out this past weekend. Directed by Joseph uh, Kaczynski. It's the guy who recently did Top Gun Maverick, so he's had a pretty 
big couple of weeks, I guess you could say. Uh, this one stars Chris Hemsworth as this uh, scientist who is leading these uh, experiments that are in this kind of experimental prison program where they take prisoners and reduce their sentences and let them stay in this like really nice lab uh like facility and and um in order to uh do these like drug trials basically and and uh miles teller's in here and uh journey smollett's in here and it's like the drugs basically alter your mood so like they they can make you feel different things like anger lust love so like they kind of mess with your emotions and of course there's like things bubbling under the surface here there's secrets and betrayals and all that stuff and Miles Teller has to figure out like what's going on and the only thing that I'll say about this that I liked was the fact that there wasn't some like really long build up to get to the lab and begin the experiments the the movie opens with the characters already being part of the program for a while. So I thought that, that was kind of interesting. But uh, other than that, uh, it's pretty predictable, pretty just typical sci-fi thriller stuff. Nothing really new here, nothing too interesting. There's this really obnoxious like 80s soundtrack where they're just hammering you over the head with like all of this like 80s easy listening type stuff uh, that I thought it was just a little too much. Hemsworth produces this and, and he also plays a bit of a nut in it. He's like kind of, he, he sort of like takes the role of like a tech billionaire type, like an eccentric tech billionaire, Elon Musk type. Yeah. And he's fine in it. Miles Teller's good in it. Uh, Journey Smollett's good in it. Everybody else is fine. It's just a really typical netflix thing like i would not recommend it it's nothing to write home about it's it really doesn't add anything to the conversation uh i have uh the only other thing i saw was tiebreaker this is from 2015 although it ne it never played anywhere right so it's now getting a very very small run at uh, a spectacle theater in New York, and it'll be playing there this Wednesday, the 22nd. It's also played a couple of times, but by the time this airs, you know, that's the, mm -hmm. it's the only time you'll get to see it. This is directed by Mark uh, Andelman and Andre Puka. This is co-written and directed by those two. Uh, Andre Puka is um, one half of the, the movies that he directed with Ahmed Kawaja that were featured on Unsung Indies. So this is him doing a movie without Ahmed. And it's a no-budget indie, slice-of-lifestyle production. Really, really, the, uh, what was the... I'm trying to think of the name of the movie that we watched for Slam Dance that was super low-budget. It's like, don't yell fire in a theater or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's along those lines. It's along that line, right? Really low-budget. So if that type of production is not your cup of tea, then this is definitely not for you. Now, if you are into those types of movies, it's worth a look. 
the acting though, as usual, is a little bit inconsistent, but at sometimes it does add charm to the movie, but not always. There's 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 some uh, scenes where it just it feels off, and then there's other scenes where it it, it clicks and it works. So you know that's what you're gonna get with a uh, no budget. Uh, it's definitely aimless, but obviously that's kind of the point. And it overall it has its moments, but a lot of it I could take or leave. But there are two moments in particular. There is an extended back and forth sequence, kind of like a montage set to music where. Mark is attending Andre's and his girlfriend's party. It's like a work party type deal. It's cutting between that and Mark's uh, father cutting it up on the ballroom dance floor. His his dad's all into dancing, so they drive into Manhattan. He goes to the ballroom to dance, and Mark goes to his friend's like work party type deal. That's a nice sequence. And then there's another extended sequence of... Mark and his father going to visit the grave of their, you know, their mother slash wife and just like, you know, sitting in front of the gravestone and talking to her, getting her up to date with everything that's going on. It's kind of emotional, which was kind of surprising given everything that happens in the rest of the movie. So, again, if you're into the no budget type deal, it's worth a look. If you're not into that, just stay clear because... This is this isn't the one that's gonna that's gonna win mm. you over. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, the last one that I'll recommend, or not recommend, the last one that I saw was a Jerry and Marge go large. This was uh, this came out this weekend, this past weekend, I think, uh, on Paramount Plus, and it's directed by David Frankel, stars Brian Cranston and Nick Benning, Rain Wilson is in there uh, as is Larry Wilmore. This is a true story. It's a, it's a comedy. It's a very light comedy. It tells the true story about this, uh, this guy. He's a, he's a bit of a math nut and he recently retires and he just happens to be at his, his, uh, con- favorite convenience store one day. And he takes a look at the, the, the lotto, the lot, the lottery is running this like special game called like windfall or something. And he looks at the odds and he looks at like how the payouts work and all that stuff, runs some calculations and he figures out that there's a flaw in the design of this lottery game where if you bet a a certain amount or more, you will win. Like there's the, the, like the probability is always going to be in your favor and you will always make money. So what he does is he, he tries it out first to make sure it works and then he starts and he he tells his wife and the two of them sort of rekindle their their love for one another by this kind of shared experience this shared hobby of playing the lottery and winning tons and tons of money and then he sets up a business and involves he brings in basically everybody from his little town as shareholders in this business and he uses the money that he wins from the lottery to like completely revitalize this little town. And, uh, you know, it's a, just a wholesome little comedy. I don't really have too many criticisms about it. Uh, I didn't like the, the, the music, the score was like a little iffy, but 
it's a just a fun like comedy. The reason that I that I watch this full disclosure is that I actually know someone who's in this movie. Uh, shout out, oh, shout yeah. out, Lindsay. Um, yeah. Th- so this played Tribeca. This premiered at Tribeca. I didn't get a chance to see it at Tribeca because I didn't I didn't cover Tribeca this year. But um, when I saw that it was dropping on Paramount Plus, I decided to, to give it a look. And uh, Lindsay's great in it, by the way. She she plays this. Uh, she plays a bank teller. So uh, great job, Lindsay, if you're listening to this. Yeah, it's uh it's pretty good overall. You know, it's just it's a cute it's a cute little movie. There's not a lot of conflict here. There's some conflict that, that they introduce, but it's just I don't know if that happened in real life. But basically, this like Harvard kid, he also figured out that there's he he found the loophole also. And then the two of them were like competing with each other and he tried to like sabotage him and stuff. But I, I don't, I don't know if that actually happened in real life or not, but it just, it felt almost like a, like a manufactured conflict just to sort of introduce something in, in this movie. Yeah. But, uh, other than that, you know, it's rain Wilson's pretty funny in it. He plays the owner of the convenience store where they buy the tickets and they have to buy like thousands of tickets. So it's like, it's kind of crazy how big their operation grows. And it, it wasn't like illegal or anything like that. It was completely above the board. And he ends up making like $23 million from it. So yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. It's a pretty crazy story. So I don't know. If you have Paramount Plus, give it a look because it's included in your subscription. Otherwise, like for yeah. me, it was kind of just like a middle of the road, just a just a nice breezy little comedy. Yeah, because I I'm gonna say that I don't have Paramount Plus, so what should I do? What would your advice be to someone? I would say I would Paramount say if you Plus? if you don't have Paramount Plus and it eventually comes out on some other platform, maybe give it a look. Yeah. Like I don't know if I would spend uh, a large sum of money on renting this on vod i mean it's worth like a four dollar vod rental okay. it's just a fun like, yeah it's brian cranston and Neth benning they have really good chemistry on screen uh, i i, I yeah. like their their relationship on screen you know both both great actors um but it's just like it's not like a a, a knee slapper of a comedy either it's just like it's just very cute it's just very uh, it's just a very pleasant movie that's why I didn't like the score because it almost makes it a little bit too a little bit too sentimental, I guess. Like the it reminds me of a lot of those kind of um comedies that would come out in like the early aughts and stuff. But David Frankel, I mean, this is the guy who did The Big Year and Hope Springs and The Devil Wears Prada and Marley and Me. So he he's kind of, you know, done these types of movies before. Recently he did that inventing yeah. Anna. For Netflix, which I didn't see, but I heard is yeah. was pretty good. Let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. Got a couple biggies here. Elvis is one of them. Oh yeah, this movie no looks so bad to me, so bad. Have you seen trailers for this? Uh, tiny bits and pieces. This just looks terrible to me. <laughs> this just looks like maybe the worst thing. Yeah, it looks so, so atrociously bad to me. We also have the black phone coming out. Now, this one I actually am interested in. Yeah, this is the new Scott Derrickson one. I had I had never heard of this. This is the first I'm learning about it. With Ethan Hawke. 
Okay. Horror movie. Interesting. I'm a little pumped for this one. VOD this week on the 21st, we have The House in Between Part 2. That's a horror movie. Part 2? I didn't know there was a part 1. Nor did I, but it's uh, after Alice Jackson left her home due to a profound paranormal experience. World-renowned paranormal investigator Steve Gonzalez takes the case. I think it might be like a actually a documentary quote unquote okay i think maybe he's like one of those ghost hunters guys or something i think he's the one we met actually oh yeah yeah this uh just to give you a heads up the first one is on tubi if you Uh want to get yourself caught up on the house in between i'm okay i'm okay I watched one of those that that one that was the same one you watched like yeah, the house that the, so bad the, the devil house or whatever and I was yeah. like okay this is the last one of these like yeah. ghost hunter movies that I'm gonna bother with it's essentially all it is the majority of these although I haven't seen the house in between but I can imagine that it's a TV episode stretched out into a movie yeah yeah. I think that that's what it is. I did watch the trailer for this when I was adding it, and that's what it looks like to me. Uh, we also have Cyst coming out. Oh boy, that sounds disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it uh, looks like it's a throwback kind of body horror movie. Uh, looks, It actually looks pretty interesting. It is definitely like a horror comedy that I think that it takes place in like this, maybe the... 60s 70s 80s somewhere it's not a modern film it it looks like visually looks like it could be pretty good i'm not going to watch it but i kind of like what they're going for there on the 22nd we have chernobyl the lost tapes that's on hbo that's a documentary i guess they (laughs) uncovered a whole slew of like new footage surrounding the you know chernobyl disaster so that could be interesting Uh, on also on the 22nd, we have Love and Gelato that's going to be on Netflix. Okay, on the 24th, we have a big one here, at least for me, and that's Flux Gourmet. This is uh, that's the new Strickland, right? Yes, this is the new one from Peter Strickland, who I'm a huge fan of, so I will be checking this one out immediately. Maybe we can, maybe I can convince you to check this one out too. We can cover it. It sounds like it, because the only other option is cyst, and I don't think we want to do that. (laughs) No, we're not going to do cyst. Cyst, although, honestly, it doesn't look bad, um, cyst is not going to be for me. Yeah, cyst is just something, like, no offense to you as a movie, but I just, I can't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We also have The Human Trial, that's a documentary. We got Wildhood, which is on Hulu, not sure too much about that. We got The Man from Toronto, that's going to be on Netflix, that looks like an action comedy with um, Kevin Hart and Woody Harrelson, Mm. like we haven't seen that before. Interesting. Yeah, I think think Woody Harrelson plays like an assassin or something, it's just, it's a, it's a, a story we've... We've seen many times before. We also have Dawn Breaks Behind the Eyes. Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah. This is a... This is also kind of like a throwback horror movie that that is sort of an homage to mm-hmm. 60s, 60s and 70s European mm-hmm. cinema. So this, this one could be interesting. I don't know. 
I have not it's seen the trailer. Be, I, someone, the, the, a woman inherits a castle. Come on. I do like some gothic horror. So. Come on. I have not seen the trailer for this or anything, so I don't know. It, Great you know, it, it's like they're. Now, I do like the poster. I've seen that. There's just a really specific, I think there's specific requirements for movies like that. Like, if you're going for that, you need to, like, adhere to certain criteria. And yeah. I think that it's hard to do unless you have either, like, a, a really nice budget or, like, a lot of talent and a lot of really talented people working with the project. I think P Peter Strickland actually is really good at crafting something like that, but... Yeah, I feel like you just, you got to take advantage of if you get an opportunity and are allowed to film inside of a castle, you got to do it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Because if, if you get a castle, you got to take advantage of it, whether you're the for the job or not. Yeah. You just got to give it a shot. Yeah, who knows? I'll, I'll check out the trailer for that at least and maybe maybe give it a look. Uh, we also have Bitter Brush. It's uh looks like some kind of like a Western, maybe. Yeah. We also have Murder at Yellowstone City. It is, uh, looks like a crime thriller, but it also may be a Western. I think that is also a Western. We have Abandoned. This looks like a... Uh, is this a thriller? It, it, this is with Emma Roberts and John Gallagher Jr. Yeah, it looks like, a, looks like maybe a horror movie. Uh, we have Press Play. This is... Uh, I don't know what this is romance rom-com maybe and that's pretty much it for vod on blu-ray this week we have fire in the sky from 1993 coming out this one has been on my to watch list for saved by the 90s forever because this movie scared the absolute shit out of me when i was a kid and i haven't revisited it since so i really want to see it i've seen this and you have or you have not i have not but I'm instantly intrigued. We have Giant coming out in 4K. That's from 1956. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. A Vampire's Kiss from 1988. That's the uh, Nicolas Cage horror comedy. Uh -huh. That's coming out uh -huh. on the MVD Rewind collection. If you haven't seen Vampire's Kiss, yeah, you, you, you are missing out on like top tier cage craziness. Mm hmm. Yes. <laughs> so definitely. Definitely uh, worth your time to see Vampire's Kiss. Uh, Uncle, just, I was just say, it's just absolutely insane. Man. Yeah. Totally bonkers. I love, I, I really like the MVD Rewind collection too, so I'm glad to, to see it out on that collection. Normally, I feel like they usually go for like 90s movies, but that's, that's an exception. Uncle Sam from 1996. I think, I, I can't, I don't know if that's the horror movie. I think that might be the horror movie. We got the bad guys. Coming out, that's the animated one that came out, uh, I don't know, like a month ago or something. King Ralph from 1991. Okay. I love King Ralph. Unabashedly love King Ralph. This is uh, one of those, I can't remember the collection, but it, like the, they make it look like, uh, the, like the Blu-ray cover looks like a VHS cover. Uh, Mill Creek Entertainment Retro VHS Collection, that's what it is. That's cool, I guess. The Brain from Planet Horus from 1957, Forced Entry from 1976, that looks like it's a vinegar syndrome, The Initiation of Sarah from 1978, Universal Soldiers coming out in 4K, that's the original 1992 one, uh, let's see what else we have here, Heart and Souls from 1993, 
That's also coming out on the Mill Creek Entertainment thing. Heart and Souls. That's with uh, Robert Downey Jr. I just now remembered this movie's existence. And I remember liking this a lot as a kid. But I bet I would hate it now. Heart and Souls. Edge of Sanity from 1989. That's an Arrow release after Yang from earlier this year. Monday Morning from 1990, that's going to be a one of the MVD Rewind Collection releases also. Groupie from 2010. Uh, the Seller from earlier this year, that's on Shudder, so you can check it out there. You're, you Are Not My Mother. Uh, Gold with Zac Efron from earlier this year. Ip Man The Awakening, the 37th entry in the Ip Man series. Uh, Escape the Field, Bleeding Audio from 2020. Uh, that looks like all the major ones. What about Criterions? Uh, we got two. One's a big one. That's Gordon Park's Shaft. Woo! Hell yeah. From 1971, Richard Roundtree. Exactly. Everyone knows Shaft. You kidding me? I don't need to tell you about Shaft. And then Stanley Kwan's Rouge from 1987 Hong Kong movie. All right. Criterion nice. Yeah, they're starting to get some Hong Kong movies in here. I like that. I like it too. Branching out. Hell yeah. All right. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider giving us a review on iTunes. That would be much appreciated. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.